This is Straight from the Source podcast. Everything you need to know about the apparel industry. From two insiders working on the sourcing side and the brand side. Whether you are in design, merchandising, retail, or production, this is the podcast for you. Hi, my name is Fatima, and with me is Giovanni. Hi, G. Hi, Fatima. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you so much, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Straight from the Source. Today, we have a really important topic that um, was prompted by this article that was recently published on the newspaper called The Guardian. Gio, do you want to walk us through that a little bit? Definitely. It dealt with 11,000 climate scientists talking about the urgent need for action on global climate change. It was, They issued a statement that commemorated the 40th year anniversary of the first global climate change conference, which really took me by surprise. I didn't realize that we had known about this issue for so long. Yes, it's it's pretty darn outrageous, I mean, if you ask me. So now tying it back into the fashion and apparel industry, um, just for our listeners, apparel industry is about responsible for about 8%, 8 to 10% of all greenhouse gas emissions globally. And it's actually a pretty significant number given what's going on with climate change right now. So with that in mind, Gio, what are some of the brands doing? What, where are they in terms of their policies, in terms of transparency? What's the sense on the brand side? Definitely. So there's a lot more action than there was previously in the past. And especially it has been picking up in recent years. Um, multiple brands have signed on to the 2018 UN Charter um, as a commitment to reducing their carbon emissions. Uh, around 55% of the top 200 brands uh, publish their annual carbon footprints. Um, and then some brands have set goals that are more ambitious than these, including um, the group uh, brand group Kerrig that owns a lot of high-end brands like Gucci and Alexander McQueen. Um, they are uh, pushing to reduce their global carbon emissions by... 50% by 2030. Wow, that's, first of all, hats off to Keurig. <laughs> that's pretty major. My concern is this. When you have higher-end brands committing, it's wonderful. But from a volume point of view, they're not the largest players. So I do worry that from an impact point of view, they may not be enough to make a dent. We actually may need to go back to those top 200 companies and look at who are all the fast fashion brands, who are the volume players, even if they don't call themselves fast fashion, and look at where they're producing and how much they're producing. Definitely. Um, there were two names that stood out as kind of larger brands being Adidas and H&M, but I definitely agree with you that a lot of the brands that are taking initiative tend to be higher-end brands with higher price points um and one way of looking at that is they are like a smaller segment of the industry in terms of volume but in so many ways they tend to kind of lead the pack regarding trend etc so some people are more 
comfortable and confident that this will trickle down to the mass market, and then other people are more skeptical. That's pretty fair. I although, in defense of the mass market, I do think I see some movement where there is a broader embrace right now of sustainable, eco-friendly fabrics, or or at least let's say eco-friendly brands, um, and somewhat of a willingness to embrace that and to pay slightly more for it at this point. At least that's my point of view. What do you think? I think so, and it's super exciting. One thing that I think might be on the minds of a lot of our listeners is, what about fashion garment manufacturing is producing carbon emissions? It doesn't right. exactly <laughs> strike you like operating a coal plant or something. Right, right, right. So that's really interesting. Let's talk about maybe let's say the energy portion of it. Um, now, whether that's the fabric production side of it or whether that's the cut and sew production side of it. So you have this process called um, the um, the wet washing process or... Dyeing, finishing, wet processing. The, the wet processing, sorry, pardon me. And then also you have processes in the cut and sew where you're still washing your fabric quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And these processes oftentimes take up a lot of energy. So when you when you have any production process that takes up a lot of energy, that means you're using more electricity, hence you're increasing the amount of greenhouse gases that are being emitted into the environment for that. Now, there are ways that manufacturing facilities and mills are offsetting this, and it's actually very exciting. So in order to use less energy, what they have done is they have invested really heavily in in technology that will redirect the energy. So what do I mean? Say the wet processing part of it or say the washing part of it in your cut and sew process, right? It generates a huge amount of heat and there's actually equipment that can redirect that heat from that particular process into other parts of the facility and it will actually help power the machinery in other parts of the facility. So in a way, you're using therefore less energy and you also have created this circular design in mind. And mind you, these manufacturing facilities have also done this because this really, really reduces their overheads by reducing the amount of electricity that they need. And just to add on to this one point really quickly, they're also doing this with their water treatment plants, which are known as EPT, ETPs. And what ETPs do is that they filter the amount, the water that you use in your production process, which you know gets rid of all the chemicals and things like that. That also uh, releases a lot of heat and uses a lot of electricity. So again, there's now technology that can take that heat, take that surplus energy created in that process, and power other parts of the plant. And then you also have energy efficient equipment and things of that nature. So exciting stuff going on. That is so exciting. And do you happen to work with some of these uh, factories in your portfolio? I actually do. I actually do. And there's a couple of really amazing certification bodies in Europe where you can submit the work that you're doing in your manufacturing facility and they will come and assess and verify and help you create a case study to show exactly how these, these technologies and processes are coming together to create some of these green energy efficient 
processes. So yes, in short, we work with some of these manufacturing facilities. It's absolutely fascinating. The technology does exist. And you know, G, my niche or my specialty is in mid to large volume manufacturing. So whoever is working with manufacturers like these, mills like these, they're actually automatically reducing their carbon footprint as a result of just being part of this manufacturing facility. One thing I liked that you mentioned, Fatima, is how this tends to be kind of mid to large brands. And mm -hmm. I think you were the person who kind of connected the dots for me from how um, in order to have this wonderful energy conservation uh, technology, how it does require capital investment. Exactly. Which is investment and requires yes. capital. Yes. Yes. Um, along those lines, what are things that suppliers can do um, to their actual manufacturing facilities to uh, conserve greenhouse gases? You know, another thing that I love that beyond the energy efficient capital infrastructure, because, you know, not everyone can afford this, right? But what is everyone else doing? Well, in an effort, in a concerted, unified effort to be more sustainable, you know, you can do simpler things, make sure you have all LED bulbs and lights. But say for those who can afford it, they are now building facilities or all the new facilities are LEED certified facilities. They're upgrading older buildings to be LEED certified. And here's why that makes a difference. These manufacturing facilities on a day-to-day -day basis can have anywhere from 5,000 to 8,000 people working there. If you think about that for a moment, like five to six days out of the week, you have 8,000 people using one building and, and using that for a huge production process. Now, if that is well-planned and facilitated with something like a LEED certified architecture, suddenly you have saved so much energy in that particular process as well. So there's a lot of different things that suppliers can do. However, there is one big thing that I think is really dependent on the brands because we have absolutely no say over this. It is the raw materials. So a big part of how you can be more sustainable depends on your raw materials, but we don't really have a say over that. Yes, uh, especially on like the more garment manufacturing side. Uh, most brands nominate their suppliers as well as their fabrics, ideally core fabrics, mm -hmm. so that you're not necessarily reinventing the wheel every season yes. and running into uh, unforeseen production issues, testing issues, etc. Yes. Um, just to summarize a bit, because it is so much information, so most of the greenhouse gas emissions from the fashion industry is kind of coming from the use of energy. Um, and we know that most of our manufacturing takes place in Asia. Yeah. And those goods are transported all around the world. Mm -hmm. Should we think of that as a major contributor to yeah. greenhouse gas emissions? Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you start thinking about the production process in three separate ways, right? One is your raw materials, second is your manufacturing, i.e. the cut and sew, and then the third part is essentially your shipping. Now, the issue is we have an industry that has so many seasons and a lot of times much more often than you would honestly believe. Mm -hmm. Given how, from a business point of view, expensive air shipping is, we see it all the time and it is client request and sometimes it mm -hmm. just can't be helped. This is just what they want and this is business 
as usual for them, which is again a little unfortunate. What we want to see is more C and for your goods to be shipped in time for you overseas, uh, using a ship that is, you have to have a really strong production plan, i.e. your production plan has to bake in those 20-30 days mm. margin for you to actually be able to ship those goods to your stores in time, maybe with even a day or two of cushion of getting it released from the port and distributing it. Part of the solution, in my opinion, and I, you know me, you know that I'm a huge proponent of this, is to bring all your supply demands into a regional construct. So consolidate, even if you cannot consolidate within one country, consolidate within a region. If right now you're bringing your fabric from China to Bangladesh, that's another 20 days. And that's also more shipping, maybe even air shipping, even if it's by boat, it's still more steps in the production process. Whereas if you cut it down, you're cutting down on your shipping emissions, you are saving time, you are really building a solid chain locally where your teams can cross-pollinate and also talk to each other. And then if you are at a volume where you can do this, you can also go to a manufacturer which is vertically integrated. So suddenly you've taken your mill and your production all in-house, all under one roof. Yes, and speaking from the brand side, I have to admit, I'm a huge fan of vertical integration. It saves costs, it makes things run smoother, it often um, can allow you to have more control over the fabric if you need to um, tweak the color of a dialect, for example. Um, but often it just is having that relationship, having the reduction in lead mm -hmm. time. Uh, it's not all lead time. Also, um, your fabric can get caught in a customs clearance fiasco. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's it's really imperative. And, you know, there's fabrics that's better for the environment. There's a lot of things that can be done from a raw materials point of view. But as someone who is on the supply chain, it really has to be a concerted effort from you guys, from the brands, from our clients to say, you know, we want this. We're always suggesting but it's something that has to come from you. Mm. I mean, that's such a great point, Fatima. And not to... Actually, maybe we should take it a little bit more big picture. Um, I think so many of our suppliers do an amazing job of meeting our expectations, using organic fabrics, um, getting all these certifications, getting certifications for their buildings. But it does start with us as your customers kind of taking the initiative and letting... Um, you you know how to meet our needs expectations and make us happy customers so we keep yeah, coming back absolutely I know we're drawing to the to the close but I do want to mention one thing one other trend here that we've mm -hmm. been noticing a lot is the 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 increase in popularity of sites such as ThreadUp, this reuse, recycle mm -hmm. mentality of these beautiful pieces of clothes that just we buy and then we either give away or throw away. So um, not to go into too much detail about circular economy or mm -hmm. any of that in this particular episode, but I do want to say that it does make me really happy to see garments and products get a second life, get a happy home. And, you know, oftentimes go to people who may not have been able to afford it in the first place. And everybody kind of wins in that particular scenario. 
I completely agree. And that's why I want this to be one of our upcoming topics for a full episode. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, there's a lot of movement, at least in the manufacturing hubs when it comes to sustainability. So the news is not all bad news. The technology is there. The resources are there. I think what we really need at this point is just greater awareness, not just for consumers, Mm -hmm. but for those of us who are in the industry to really understand what manufacturers have to offer and how that can be more sustainable both in the short and the long run and with that being said please reach out to us if you ever want to learn more we're happy to share absolutely it's an education process for the brand as well as for the suppliers absolutely with that being said thank you so much for tuning in